OBS running now, so the backup is running. What does OBS stand for? O stands for none. <laughs> e stands for yeah. <laughs> S stands for fuck you, Andy. <laughs> oh, everything, everything stands for that. <laughs> Sometimes it sits for it. Yeah, we have to come up with a new term for Andy. He hears that so often that he's immune to it. Uh, yep. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 573. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Bernie me, Mandy. No, wait. Uh, fact check, Andy. Maple Leaf Matt. And Captain Luddite. Another week. Welcome back, Captain. Good well, to have you. your voice once again. And Matt, it's good to hear you after your week. How's your throat? That's a lot better. A lot better. Got some antibacterial antibiotics. Got it taken care of. No COVID. Don't worry. It was strep throat. The, yeah. the classics. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious that you have to like, it's a preference. Like, no, no, it wasn't COVID. Don't worry. It's, it's just a cold. Or it's, it's a cough. God, God this, is, this has been the year that it's like, I'd rather have the flu and just get it over with than to have COVID. Throat. The classics. The, the funny thing, uh, Jeff, is uh, millions of people say that's exactly what happened to you. <laughs> Them and their Facebook medical degrees. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pretty much, yeah. If I read it on the internet, it must be true. It's strep throat, Matt. So you're sterile now? Is that right? Huh? What? You say? Aren't you sterile you. after strep throat? Oh, no, that's mumps. Okay. Ah, okay. <laughs> I got too obscure for even Andy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Andy's like, stay in your lane, Kay. Yeah, I would have looked that shit up. <laughs> he, he wasn't even driving that one. Yeah. Classic mumps jokes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mumps the word. So is having, like, a cough in public the new drunk in public? You know, everyone looks at you like, oh, my God. Oh yeah, if Wait, I cough yeah. in public, I I feel like I have to apologize and explain myself. So sure, yes. I cough in my mask and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I don't know where that came from, but I swear it's not COVID. Really? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just looked up bumps and sterility. What the hell? <laughs> and why would you yeah, do that? Because well, Kirsten, Kirsten just, just mentioned that. Kirsten just it's made a bump. He's making yeah, sure I got it. How many of... to know. How many of us have sneezed in the mask to the point where it had to be replaced? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I haven't no, had that yet. Is, I assume yeah. that's you, sir? Uh, that, yeah, there was one day where the, like, I had bags in the hand and couldn't get them out of, you know, drop them in time. And yeah, it was that. It was a bad well, thing. Was, yeah. that's, oh, wow. You're supposed to sneeze what? into the mask. You don't take the mask off to sneeze. Well, I've been taking it off and then covering with my sleeve just so that I could keep using the mask. Uh, okay. Not have a snot-filled mask. That is wrong, <laughs> sir. That is wrong. Well, if I don't have a, but if I don't have the second mask, what do I do? You should always have three or four masks. To bathe it in your own snot, Mister. This is not a story of you telling me how I failed to be properly prepared. <laughs> <laughs> I am well aware that I was improperly prepared. <laughs> 
the question now is in that particular situation, what is the proper etiquette? Do I now walk around with a snot filled mask or do I take the mask off to sneeze in my arm? Nobody's going to know the mask is snot filled except you (laughs) and your inability to breathe through it. It does depend. You just wall in your own filth. I do that every day. That's so does Andy. It has nothing to do with the mask. Do what I do, man. I just use the mask of the person closest to me. <laughs> Grab it off their face. <laughs> yep. I hold the outside of their mask to my face because, you know, transmission. But, uh, yeah. You don't even sure. take it off their face. You, you lean it close and then you just let it go so it slaps back on them so they just get the they get the whole feel of it. The real weird thing, I've gotten so many phone numbers afterward. <laughs> They're just tracing. It's just tracing. <laughs> That's all that is. Don't get the your geek, hopes up. <laughs> the Geek Shock Book Club is currently reading All Systems Read by Martha Wells. Uh, we're also nominating the book for February, and the poll for that should be going up probably around the time this podcast is. So uh, put in your vote for next month's book. And once again, for those who are sending in pitches for Geek Shocks Red Light Greenlight, please make sure that they are genre-related show pitches. And uh, I appreciate them that you're sending them in. They're They're fantastic and wonderful, and they keep flowing. So... You're doing awesome, Shock Monkeys. Thank you. You're making this thing a success. The pitches must flow. Is this month's book uh, a graphic novel or uh, prose? Prose. Prose. Just in December is the graphic novel. Uh, Every four months we do a graphic novel. Oh, is it every four months? Yeah. Next one will be in April. Ah. Well, I'm an idiot. Look at that. Not at all. Not at all. This is is how we stay informed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and if you, send, uh, if you want to send if you want to send pitch in, send it care of pitches bitches to uh, comments at uglycouchshow.com. And that being said, gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? And of course, we'll start with our guest, Adam. What did you do? Uh, a, a couple of different things, uh, both Netflix related. I was I've watched most of a Netflix original show called Spycraft, which hmm. is uh, a I pretty saw that good today. Yeah, I added it to my queue. It's oh, yeah. not bad. It's a pretty good docu series about spycraft and the history of spycraft. And each episode looks at a different aspect of it, like uh, clandestine collection of information, or using cameras, or using sound, you know, microphones to pick. You know, so every episode sort of deals with that. And they talk about actual spies in history and what has happened and how it happened. And they're interviewing some ex spies and they're interviewing some experts and historians about espionage. It's a little dry. I won't deny it's a little dry. It's a little history channel esque, but it's, it's interesting. That was my question. Was it written for this format or was it like history channel where they reset every two minutes? It's a, no, it's a Netflix original. So it is definitely designed, you know, there's no real commercial breaks or anything. You don't have that issue in hand. It's pretty interesting. Kind of crazy when the episode talking about assassinations and uh, and all of that and how they were like, hey, the CIA, the United States in the 70s is like, hey, maybe the CIA should just stop assassinating. 
Yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's after all the weird Castro stuff with the uh, poison cigars and shit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they talk they talk about poisoning people in one episode. Yeah, so it's been kind of interesting. And then the other thing I was watching was earlier today. I started watching uh, Fate, the Winx Saga. Oh, I saw that was on there. Yeah, and it's series made for Netflix. Good, good quality show. You know, well produced, well made. About so like a CW uh, series type, you know, you know that CW esque. All, all uh, the cast is like, okay, go ahead. Sorry. No, yeah, yeah, no. It's it's a young, it's a high school. You know, it's another world, another realm where there are fairies. And this is the school they go to to learn how to use their powers as fairies. And then there are also um, specialists who are not magic users, but they use weapons and fight as warriors alongside the fairies. And so this is also the school where the specialists learn how to do their thing. It's the earth... And our world is known as like the first world, I think they call it or something like that. And then there are, I think, seven other realms or worlds or something. I'm, I'm fuzzy on some of it, but, but it's an interesting, it's not bad. It's pretty interesting. There's some weird stuff going on in the dark history of the school and something's happening, of course, to put everything at threat and they're trying to figure out what's going on and they have their kind of version of white walkers called burned ones that are threatening the the safety of the school and the safety of the world and all this stuff and it's not bad it's it's kind of entertaining and and the the story in the world is interesting there's some cheesy them trying to be hip teenagers talk that you roll your eyes at sometimes and then they have some pretty good teenage banter so it's a little back and forth hello fellow teenagers uh sometimes it's literally like oh are you just gonna mansplain to me all day and it's all just kind of clunky how they do it <laughs> and this is called fate yeah fate f-a-t-e the winx saga now apparently there was an old anime not old uh there was an anime series from like 2006 to 2019 or two there was like a, quite a long series there was w-i-n-x a right yeah that was called yeah, winx club yeah, and the Winx girl, like it was a band of five fairies that were constantly yeah. saving. The world. My daughter That's... watched that for a while. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, it was like Italian and Japanese anime mixed. Like it was an Italian guy who created it. I watched a small bit of that just to see the source material, and they are very different worlds because there's no world like the anime world. <laughs> and this is very much, you know, white rich people. <laughs> You know, Europeans. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's interesting. It's, there's some fun stuff in it. So uh, it's apparently super popular right now. I'm definitely wanting to watch more of it and see where it goes story wise. The story is definitely interesting. Uh, coming from somebody that's tried Buffy three times, that's a high praise. Yes, and has failed all three times. <laughs> Can't get past, past that opening seri- uh, season, huh? Yeah. Oh, oh. Uh, you know what? And here I thought. Adam, you just were like watching the first couple episodes of Buffy and you were like, I've seen this before and shut it off. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not what was happening. (laughs) Uh, Matt, what did you do this week? Geeky. Absolutely nothing. I mean, uh, let's see. (laughs) 
Well, it's not really geeky, but uh, I did my walkthrough of my house I bought. So yeah, and congratulations! Look at all the shit that they fucked up, but no. they actually did a good job. So we got the A team on it. So oh. what's wrong with just some paint yeah, stuff? B A Barack is going to tear down that wall. Yeah, the A team was there. Da, 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 da. I love it when a blueprint comes together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, about how long do you think it's going to take, Matt? At this point, uh, well, title company is jerking around, and our lender is jerking around, so oh. that's going to be a little bit. So, probably the end of the month, hopefully. Okay, Things, and then I'll be I, over there. With the little uh, retail experience I had in the last year, retail. Just, yeah, or I'm sorry, real estate. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I was like, where's it going with this? All right. I'll, I'll sit here and listen and see where it goes. <laughs> with real estate. See, buying, a ho- buying a house is like this game. <laughs> uh, no, I had a store where I was just selling houses. The titles and all of that stuff, the loans are just taking forever because everybody is refinancing and everybody's buying because the interest rates are so low. So, yeah, yes. it's taking forever right now. So you're not the only one. Uh-huh. Tomorrow, we do our final walkthrough, so everything we taped off, we'll see if they fix it, which wasn't a lot. It was just a bunch of paint. And you know what? You, you got to point out, uh, in semi-seriousness, I assume Paulette was there for the walkthrough, and yes. if Paulette lets you off easy, then you actually did a good job. Yeah. Jesus. Well, you had the A-team. Yeah, yeah. we had the A-team. I felt, yeah, I felt really bad because uh, Major Meh, Lewis, his house was like it was Enrique and the boys to put that together. <laughs> I'm not familiar now, that, with Enrique and the boys. Is, is, is that, that a band? Is that casual, <laughs> that casual racism or characters? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Aloka. We'll, yes. We'll just go both. from a little, little from column A, a little from column B. But anyways, his house is like he was pissed. Because uh, I, I went through there with him and uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. Did the previous owners like trash it on their way out, or was it? No, no, no these are brand new house. Oh, brand, brand new. Builds. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Uh, and then, uh, then working really like ten-hour days don't really. Yeah, that's true. They don't leave you a lot of time, especially when you're getting over the strip. You must have done like ten hours of Warhammer painting, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> Did not. But I got to because. <laughs> Torgo here has got me on my toes. He's like painting everything, painting the world. He is truth, truth. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and jump in line. Yeah, I did a lot of hobby work this week. I put together my my army is now complete as far as assembly goes, and also they have been uh, base coated and zenithal highlighted, and so they are ready for colors, my friends. Things are moving on that undead warhammer, not warhammer, the your your uh, ball game stuff. Yeah, I, I forgot uh, Blood Bowl. I Blood Bowl. <laughs> oh, Blood Bowl. So have you tried that paint they have now where it does the highlights and the lowlights? Contrast paints. Contrast. Um, have you tried it? Uh, I have two pots of it. Um, I've seen the results. They're pretty impressive. Some are. Uh, the problem with that line is that some of those paints are impressive and some of them are not. Um, uh, the whole idea is... Their their tagline on that those paints are one thick coat because the joke is that you have to do two thin coats of yeah, the other kind yeah. of paint to get the coverage. So you just lay it on thick, and it's a kind of a gel based medium, and so it sinks down into the cracks and kind of 
leaves a, a lighter touch on the raised surface and a heavier pigment in the deeper surfaces. So it's supposed to do like three steps for you. The, the problem yeah, yeah. is, much like the washes, it's not a very controlled measure of doing it. It's, it's really decent for getting your stuff on the tabletop pretty fast. Like if you you just yeah. you need to get something on the tabletop, then it's it's good to go. Uh, so what but you're if saying you're, is I will need that. <laughs> I, I will say it will definitely speed up your halflinks it, if you, you looks, wanted to go that route. It looks really good. I mean, it's not. I mean, I like you say some of them are better than others. And the one guy I saw who did it, he uh, he said how you prep it definitely makes a difference too. Yes, uh, you do have to. Uh, base it with one of the there's there's two there's basically a gray and a white undercoat special paint that you use yeah but your undercoat will definitely decide how that turns out yeah and if you do what's called a zenithal highlight where you uh first coat prime everything in black and then you do a a white or a light gray spray from the top kind of like where the sun would be that kind of creates your your highlights and leaves the shadows in black and that works really well at creating a a good uh, highlight slash shadow with your contrast paints. So if you are doing contrast paints, if you incorporate zenithal highlighting, you will definitely improve the way they look. I mean, it's is it's it, amazing that it works at all. <laughs> True. Is it, some of the, is it some of the colors in particular that don't work as well, or is it just yes. some of the brands? Yeah, def- oh. definitely do. Yeah, it's only put out by Games Workshop as part of their Citadel Paints line. It's proprietary yeah. to them. But yeah, I would definitely, before you dug into contrast paints, uh, look to see which ones are good, which ones aren't. I can't, I haven't worked with them enough to say which ones are or not. Uh, but everybody that I've seen that's reviewed them, the professional painters that I, I watch on YouTube, uh, they, they've all said that same thing. There's some that are magical and some that are just a mess. Yeah, I was playing some War Machine and uh, one of the guys, they had a special like Halloween army. It was all these wacky, crazy, uh, undead, and and it had it was a really w- kind of fun and silly army. The like zombie undead for that skin, it worked fantastic. Um, so they had one for that that worked really well. So uh, also, guess what? There was more pinball played this week. I bet you wouldn't didn't see that no. coming. No, never would have no. thought. Never Gentlemen, thought. I have reclaimed my title, Barry. I, I'm sorry, but your surrogate is no longer the king of medieval madness table. I've nice. taken that back over. I've taken back the attack from Mars table. I even stole the ET table away from Jeff Harris, which took forever because that table is a monster. Literally, because it's ET. But it's... Uh-huh. Uh, you know what? The ET it's- table annoys the hell out of me. I can only play that table so long. And the reason is they didn't license the John Williams soundtrack. Oh. And so they created this kind of faux E.T.-ish soundtrack. Uh-huh. And of all the soundtrack, and there's, there's lots of Williams soundtrack out there to enjoy as a favorite, but E.T. emotionally is my favorite soundtrack that he's written. And so yeah. to not hear that music on the E.T. table really <laughs> grinds my gears after a while. Because I, I, I really want that emotional punch of that music with all the stuff going on. I mean, did they it, get it even close? Did no. they get even close? No. Well, okay. if you, it's... A guy with a kazoo on there? like. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, 
do, do, yeah. do, 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 do. Like, like <laughs> they did the same thing with the yeah. Back to the Future table. Uh, right. But that music is close enough that, and it has that same kind of feel that sure. it doesn't bother me so much. Uh, the Doc Brown voice isn't great, but aside from that, that table's great. In fact, one yeah. of the best tables they've put out there. But the E.T. table, I can only play it for a little while before I'm like, okay, the music is just annoying the hell out, hell out of me. And it doesn't well, I mean, make sense. because well, they it, ha- it should, because uh, Spielberg has even said how critical to the emotional impact of his films the, uh, the John Williams sound uh, well, scores yeah, were. That's a given, Jeff, of course. But this is a pinball table. The music shouldn't affect me in that same way. I, I am annoyed because they didn't get it. And the reason it's more annoying is because they did license his music for the Star Wars tables. All of the Star Wars tables has yeah. John Williams' score to it. There's a, there's a term for it. Uh, it has something to do with the nostalgia, but it's like when you're presented with something that you fondly remember and it's not the way that you remember it because something has actually been changed, it tends to muddle around in your brain and it and it drives you crazy because you're like why is this wrong why is this wrong oh it's because in this case the score is wrong so yeah i mean it, it makes sense and the voices aren't right too that doesn't help that too. Uh, i think it's a, a woman who's doing the voice of elliot and it doesn't quite quite strike as elliot but either way the, the sound design on that table. And it's the only table in the entire collection. I have like 80 of the tables. And it's the only one that I just, it just grinds me after a while. And I have to stop and play something else. Uh, <laughs> this is a way for you to realize just how important that movie was to you in your life. This is true. Yeah. And it was. There's no doubt about it. There, there was a time where I lived and breathed <laughs> the E.T. as a kid. Really? Wow. Yeah. Absolutely pretty, adored it. That's a pretty dark one to... To adore yeah. that age. Yeah. Well, he probably saw the walkie talkie version. Pretty heavy. What? What am I, 13? <laughs> What's the wow, walkie talkie version? <laughs> uh, back, uh, for, uh, the walkie talkie version. Um, back when Lucas was redoing Star Wars and, and sure. creating new effects and changing things around and, and Han shot first and all that bullshit. Uh, Spielberg thought he'd get in on the action, and when they re-released E.T. to the theaters, the scene where they're riding the bikes and they're riding up to the police line of cars that's stopping it, and they fly over it, uh, in the original film, they have guns for the, the, what is the 25th anniversary version, I think it was? I think it was. They took the guns out digitally and put walkie-talkies in their hand. For the police officers. Yes, because they didn't want to be threatening children that much. Right. So, oh, my. <laughs> and Spielberg has since said, yeah, I probably should have done that. And Well, he changed it back, too, right? Yeah, yeah he did. But if you bought the 25th anniversary DVD, you got both versions of the movie. I mean, uh, what, else, what else did he change in that? Uh, there were a few small changes, but I can't remember them all. There, there was some, uh, some E.T. digital effecting that went on. Oh, okay. So to to soup it up a little bit, yeah. They tried and they tried and failed to make ET's eyes a little bit more lifelike, like by making them turn back and forth in certain scenes. They did that with CG, and it's really creepy, weird. Uh, you can find clips of it on YouTube. It's not good, and uh, he has since removed all of that stuff. Well, most of it, if I'm not mistaken. 
So there is only one table left that I actually don't have the top score on, and it's my goddamn fault. And that's the Jaws table. Uh, because, oh, oh. you know, you know I, I talk shit on Twitter about pinball throughout the week on the occasion. and oh, But I find out also from the monkeys that are playing when somebody's beating a score that I, oh, shit, I got to go pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Jeff Harris threw out there that he had the, the high score on uh, E.T. and so on. And he did. That, that score was super hard to beat. I uh, finally did it last night. Uh, but he was also talking with a friend of his that I'm not sure who it is. I don't even know if they listen to the show. Uh, they go, he goes by the name of Fat Halpern. I don't want to give his full uh, thing on PlayStation if he doesn't sure. want people to know. Uh, so I don't even know if he listens to the show. But he and Jeff were kind of going back and forth on score. And so I'm like, I'm just going to send a friend invite to Halpern to go on there. And uh, – Halpern still has the highest score on the Jaws table. I just can't reach it yet. I think he's at least a scoop. That name sounds familiar. Okay. Good stuff. Uh, so, Halpern, I don't know if you're listening or not, but good job. You're, you're, you're doing awesome. And so far on my, my list, you, you've, the only person that has beaten me. But, but your time's coming to a close. Just wanted to say that. <laughs> yeah, you need to get a bigger boat? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Do they have the music for that? Uh. It's close enough, and it's so low that I'm honestly not sure. I don't think it is, but it is enough of a pastiche to it. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much all, all I did this week was play, play some pinball and a little more Cyberpunk 2077. Still a great game. Uh, it still crashes an awful lot and gets very annoying for that. Uh, you occasionally get stuck in a wall and can't get out and have to restart your game. Uh, but the game is still good enough to keep playing. Uh, they have released a brand new patch, which solves some of the issues on the PlayStation 4. Uh, apparently it breaks some other ones, so we'll see how that, that works out. <laughs> so, uh, Kirsten, what did you do this week? Nothing really big of note. Um, you had a Matt week. They're, they're, awesome. uh, remember the Star Wars role-playing game that Fantasy Flight put out? Yeah, um, I think I think you played uh, you played once, uh, Todd, as R two D two, if I remember right. Not R two D two. I was I was an R five unit. It was kind of the uh, that character from Solo, where it, it was a a droid that was trying to well, one that hated humans and was trying to liberate other droids and basically oh. bring them to their own planet. He, he, it was yeah. basically the, the Hitler of droids. And there you go. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, it turned out to be more the Trump of droids, but yeah. Um, but uh, they uh, actually, like a year or two ago, I don't know, uh, Kaz probably knows, uh, they released a generic form of the system called Genesis. I was like, what the hell? And I went ahead and got the book because that dice system, that whole mechanic for qualified successes and, you know, yeah, all that stuff was very interesting this- to me. They use the they same their... system as the uh, as the game we're playing with uh, Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Rebel the Assault. dice are different because they were using proprietary symbols for the Star Wars one. Yeah, they have but, their yeah. unique dice. Yeah. So I got that, and I've been reading through that, and it's very interesting. And it's like, boy, I can hardly wait to not play this with my friends for another year. <laughs> so, but it, it's an interesting it's an interesting uh, game system. The, the dice, it, it's kind of hard to explain the mechanic in any kind of real detail. 
I would say look up Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-Y-S, and uh, read up on that if you're interested in role plays. I mean, uh, back when I had more money all the time, I used to joke my hobby was collecting role-playing games, even if I didn't play them. I've and, known a few uh, people so, like that. Yeah, <laughs> I like – and I do like actually getting game uh, game books, even if I'm not going to play, uh, having them and uh, reading through, seeing what, what those authors are trying to create a system and um, assumed settings, et cetera, et cetera, stuff like that. So. Well, if I remember right, Fantasy Flight came out with three Star Wars RPGs over the yeah. – that were slightly different, each one of them, and then now this is a fourth one, yeah. Yeah, the 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 three ones, it, and it was sort of like, um, kind of like a beginning level on the fringe, and then okay. there was a mid level that was sort of more involved with uh, the Empire Rebellion, and then the third one was a flat out, you know, force capable, oh, okay. uh, force using characters. This one is like a knockoff uh, Space Wars with a Z. No, no um, it's actually full on generic. It's it's like the whole rule set, the whole system, and then it talks about making uh, making it work for different settings. So you could do a knockoff Space Wars. You could do oh. a cyberpunk. You could do a fantasy. Um, you so could do a modern-day era thing. So it's GURPS with weird dice. Kind of, sort of, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, when I uh, sent the link to uh, Lewis, he was sort of the same way. It's GURPS. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, it is. And they do have a science fiction book out and a fantasy book. The fantasy book is interesting because the, the fantasy book uh, draws from all the fantasy flights, Rune Bond and Descent Fantasy Rune. World lore. Yeah. I haven't gotten those. I just got the generic and a, and a set of dice. The dice, that, it's just cool. It's very cool. So I've been reading through that. I mean, I've done a few other things, but that I'm if I'm going to... Say I did anything of note, that's it. All right, how about you, Jeff? What'd you do? Of course, I watched some football this weekend. Uh, my Chiefs are going Shut back up. to the Super Bowl. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to rub that in. Uh, and, and just remember, Matt, it's your fault because you decided you were going to talk some shit before the game, and the results speak for themselves. Uh, actually, uh, the last week I've been doing uh, a lot of watching videos on YouTube, a uh, few of them in particular. Uh, one of them is the uh, the Corridor Crew, which uh, I believe Kirsten and I have mentioned on here before. They watch special effects that have been done in Hollywood films, and then occasionally they try to either recreate from scratch the digital effects that they use or see if they can improve them. And one of the ones they did this last week was, um, you know, I don't think it's a spoiler because it's been almost a month now since uh, final uh, final episode of The Mandalorian Chapter 2, but... They uh, uh, there's there's the, there's people who don't have Disney Plus and still want to see that, so it's still keep it spoiler free. Oh, I can't because <laughs> that's what they do in the video. Well, no, then let's not no, talk then. about this. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you're overriding me right now. Oh, <laughs> it hurts. I feel that pain. It hurts. Eighties denied. Would you rather have him override you or have you say all that and then just cut it? <laughs> I don't Fair know. Fair point. Fair point. I don't usually listen to the show after we record it, so uh, I think the the uh, latter probably would have been. Oh, you you got to start listening. Let's hear the the outtakes at the end now. Uh, 
wait, wait, yeah. wait, wait. All well, this time, you guys are bitching at me for not re-listening to the show, and Jeff does it too. I, yeah, you and Jeff re-listen to the show. I don't always. You and Jeff are the same person, as the CBS All Access thing proved. That's true. <laughs> and the football thing proved that they're, they're just like separated. That's all. They're, yeah. they're just the yin and yang of one being. Well, then fine. For those idiots that still haven't seen Mandalorian <laughs> Chapter 2 final episode. Yeah, you, yeah, you poor people. How am I an it? idiot for not paying for yet another streaming service? Right. I can't yeah. help it. I'm pissed now. I can't <laughs> talk about what I want to talk about. But then, oh, man. Wow. <laughs> Even though I think a month is more than enough oh, time, but whatever. He's riled um, up, folks. If anybody I, has I, seen it, they I probably agree. know what I'm talking about. Go watch the YouTube video, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I agree. I am not sure. Like, for me, I don't care. You can tell me, and it's not going to spoil the show for me. But I do. I wonder, what is that? Where, the, where is that line for spoiling? Like, I feel like it's, well, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's always kind of hard to gauge that. Uh, the the issue is that we ha- we're getting more and more proprietary shows on different streaming networks that are out there that a person may or may not get. For example, uh, I don't have CB all at CBS All Access right now, either. Uh, so I don't haven't watched The Stand, but I am I'm very excited to watch The Stand when it's all finished, and eventually I will get CB all, CBS All Access to catch up on all the Star Trek that they've done and The Stand. And then when I've done that, I'll I'll quit it again until it's time to get excited about something else. Uh, same with the Apple TV. The Apple TV has some shows that I am very much interested in, uh, but I will not be getting them for a while because there's not enough there for me to say, okay, this justifies the ex- expense to do it. Yeah. And I do. I wouldn't want those shows on Apple TV spoiled for me just because I haven't jumped at the bit. And I don't think a month is long enough for those people that haven't gotten Disney plus for whatever, for those same, the very same reason. Yeah. I guess my question, like, is it three months? Is it six months? Is it a year? Is it, what is the line? Uh, you usually, uh, when, when things were normal with movies, uh, we kind of like had a six month to a year kind of feel about it. Like really? after, after a year, definitely it's, it's a okay. My counter argument is so many of these services have a one month free, subscription trial which you could do that with disney plus right now sure but what if you burned your one month free on the first of a season of mandalorian yeah (laughs) then that's on you (laughs) anyway moving on yeah andy Andy, it's your your fault that jeff spoiled you <laughs> um, so I saw I'm being censored from what? <laughs> I'm just what pissed I signed up for Tubi last week. <laughs> well, since I'm being censored, I'm moving on. Uh, <laughs> that's right, the man's keeping you down. <laughs> Uh, I've actually also been watching a lot of these uh, Disney oh, Jeff, parks. I thought you were canceled. No, you, you're just being censored. <laughs> um, I've been watching a lot of Disney parks vids. Uh, some of them that are actually produced by the Disney parks themselves. Um, but specifically, I've been watching uh, some of these videos about how they're doing slight redesigns of either existing rides or also rides that are currently under construction. 
the one I watched today was really interesting. It was about um, them doing some updates to the uh, the Jungle Cruise, which I thought was actually pretty cool. But I can already hear the uh, the Disney fan boys, the fan babies rather, uh, throwing up a fit about changes to it. To oh my which, God! If I can't see the backside of water, it's not the cruise. Yeah. Every time I hear that, I think about the quote from Walt himself, where he's like, these parks are never going to be finished. There's always going to be changes. And he wanted the parks and the rides to evolve and to change over time. And so, like, when I hear people complain about, I haven't heard that specifically be complained about yet, but people that, you know, are mad about Splash Mountain and so forth getting changes, I'm just like, yeah. it's, that's, that was the whole point of these parks is for them to grow, to evolve, to change over time. How dare you get rid of that, that racism? How dare you remove the racism (laughs) from that ride? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which is actually something they're addressing with, uh, with the jungle cruise. Uh, there's certain not so correct elements in the jungle cruise, uh, that that needs some updating and it has been addressed and, uh, a new humorous storyline for the captains of the, uh, the jungle cruise boats. So, are, are they adding the cocaine hippos? I doubt that, Andy. Damn it. <laughs> I'm Remove the racism, but put in the cocaine hippos. What is <laughs> a cocaine <laughs> hippo? What is a cocaine? Is that a hippo full of cocaine? <laughs> it's been on the news all week, uh, Adam. Bob Escobar's the, uh, Escobar hippos that he brought with him during the 80s. He brought four of them. Um, so when he was taken in or killed or whatever the hell happened to him. I forget what happened to him. Um, yeah, they took all of his exotic animals out, but they missed the four hippos. I animals, actually... Not animals. 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 Animals, yeah. 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 And they've yeah. been breeding like crazy and uh, destroying like the native uh, vegetation and uh, wildlife in the area. And they're spreading out across the, uh, the, the peninsula there. <laughs> I actually know about them from the show Top Gear because in one of their episodes they were in that area and had to find hippos and they were like, how the hell are hippos in this area? And they found out that he had them as part of his compound and then they found them in their pond. Yeah. So, and now they're in Disneyland. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> but I, I want them to be hippos made of cocaine. That sounds more, far more interesting. See, I, I thought when I first heard it, I thought there were hippos that were dosed on cocaine. They were like, Hippos that were high yeah. as fucking bought with cocaine money. Yeah, the hippos uh, made out of cocaine. That's going to be an Epcot. Or there maybe, you go. or maybe like the pink elephants. So you get so high on cocaine, ah, yes. you start seeing dancing hippos. That right. maybe so, so you ride the the Windy the Pooh Honey Pot ride, <laughs> and, and they just they just hit you with a cloud of powder when you hit that room. Yeah. <laughs> like a big powder puff, boom, right in your face. Yeah. Or they could retheme the. Up! The Winnie the Pooh ride with the the spy craft and the honey pot takes on a whole different meaning there. The, the tracks, sure. the tracks for the ride are just cocaine lines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. There's just dancing hippos everywhere. Yeah. Okay. So uh, another another like video that I watched that I, I just discovered this last week that I find hilarious. Not everybody probably will, but there's a. Uh, a YouTube channel called Sax Squatch, and it's a guy in a Sasquatch outfit playing the saxophone. And I thought it is goddamn brilliant as well as funny as hell. And he's like literally out in the woods playing saxophone, playing cover songs and stuff. But uh, 
I, I, I found it quite amusing. It, it was kind of the thing I needed to brighten my day at that particular time I discovered it. So That sounds like one of those things that the name came first, and they yeah. like, that's a good idea. Let's run yeah. with that. Exactly. I seem to recall the, the Careless Whisper is one of the songs. Yes, that was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, what did you do this week? I watched the uh, third episode of WandaVision. I really wish I could watch the whole damn thing. I know, right? It's, it's doing what we hoped it would do. It's getting slightly, it's getting creepier and creepier, and little and bits we, are being revealed. <clears throat> and yeah, we still don't know say, what's we, going on. Yeah, exactly. Still don't know what the fuck is going on. God damn, those two play so well off of each other in oh, that series. Yeah. I always knew Elizabeth Olsen was a good actress, but wow, is she... I mean, she's capturing the essence of the eras that the, the quote-unquote TV show is covering like so well. It's, it's creepy. Uh, I mean, she seems so much like the 50s-era housewife and then now the 70s-era housewife slash working woman type. Uh, and then it, they are so good as far as performing off of each other. The rest of the cast definitely lends that creepy feel without being overtly uh, sinister, I think, best way to put it. I do think they should have released the first three episodes at once. Yes, absolutely. I, I wasn't really grabbed until this third episode, as, as far as like, like it becoming like, okay, now I need to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I saw the, th- the fact I forgot the third one was even, I was like, oh yeah, I should watch that before we record the show. But it wasn't even like, like with the Mandalorians, like, oh, I got to see what happens next. It was like, oh, it's out, and I should watch it because of what we do for right. a podcast. You uh, watch it as a duty. But, yeah, out of duty. Yeah. Uh, you it, said it is duty. my duty. Yeah, to tap that booty. And it was, <laughs> I, by the end of this third episode, I think now I'm at the point, it's like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what's happening next. Yeah. Um, when Kevin Smith talked about he thought that that scene, which I'm not going to specifically name, even though it really wouldn't be that spoilery because nobody knows been what's a, going on. It hasn't on. been a month yet, Jeff, so it's all right. But uh, yeah, A month the, is the line. The scene that, that Kevin Smith says that's probably his best performance he, he's ever seen her in, I, I, I agree. I mean, she's very, very good in that scene. And she, her delivery being both heartbroken as well as being taken with the events that were happening in that scene, just really stretching those acting muscles. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's really impressive. Yeah. I also uh, uh, finished up the third season of uh, Disenchanted, and it continues to go weird places that I like. I am so hot and cold with that series. I, there are episodes that I really like and episodes where I'm just bored and I can't really explain it. Hmm. Yeah, I, was, I, I watched the three or four first episodes and they were fun, but it's, yeah, it is a little, I'm, it is a little hit or miss for me too and I'm not sure why. Well, I may, maybe push through because it gets weirder and weirder as it goes along. And, okay. and, it, and it's, it's very dense too. I mean, it's, you can't casually watch it because there's a million little jokes hiding in the background of that thing all the signs are hilarious yeah there's a lot going on a lot of yeah yeah there's a lot to see in the screen mm-hmm. on that and that show i mean i felt the same i'll be honest i felt the same early on with futurama i think futurama took a little while to really find its legs as a lot of shows do right um so yeah i I'm, i haven't given up on uh disenchantment that's what it is 
Disenchanted. Disenchanted, yeah. It's not the best title. It, it is a hard to remember title. And I also uh, caught up on some podcast stuff. I listened to uh, the latest episode of Scoring the Strange was uh, a Sasquatch expert. Or, I mean, it's a skeptics podcast. So they an had expert, though. Really? Can you call him an expert? Yes, because he actually is a. Um, well, an X being an X being the unknown quantity and spurt being a drip under pressure. Sure. And, uh, OK, <laughs> no, uh, that, I will accept that explanation. No, he, he uh, actually is. Some, wow. He's actually somebody that wants to wants to believe that they are out there, but he's also a professional investigator. So most of the time, what he's doing is debunking. You know, he's <sighs> he's breaking down the stuff that isn't there. And you know, it was it was debunking a very what? Good <laughs> As if there's anything to debunk. There, there are there are people out there who are actually <laughs> faking stuff, and he's like he's like caught them trying to rip people off, but with the fakes. The amazing Randy of Sasquatchdom. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I okay. listened to uh, Bizarre but does, Album. Uh, but let, before we move on, sorry. does he believe in Sasquatch at all? He wants to believe, but okay. he hasn't seen any proof. Ben Radford, who's, I mean, it, it's Celestia and Pascal and uh, Ben Radford uh, on the podcast, and they all are serious skeptics. And yeah. Ben has been to a lot of places and Ben is weirdly the chupacabra expert and the evil clown expert. It's um, it's kind of it's kind of like me then, where whereas I don't believe in ghosts, uh, but I wish they were real. Right. But yeah, um, and then I also uh, listened to a caught up on bizarre albums, which is so very short. It's like fifteen twenty minutes long, and he finds weird albums and uh, he what's what's his tagline? No, he's not here to make fun of them. He's here to celebrate them. So he does like the uh, the the world the the wrestling album and the uh, the Super Bowl shuffle album, but uh, uh, Buckner and Garcia's Pac Man Fever. Linda Carter, he just did one on Linda Carter, who I didn't realize had an album, and she sings pretty well. But yeah, I mean, as far as geeky stuff, I mean, he covered Christopher Lee's album and the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out of the shell and the Groovy Ghoulies and Lancelot Wink. Oh, and wow. it's okay, they're little short podcasts, and it's uh, easy to go through quickly. All of that is all of that is Paul's bread and butter right there. All that stuff. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing all that geeky goodness with us. Uh, but it is time to get to some news. So let's start with some news you don't give a shit about. <laughs> news you don't give a shit about. CBS All Access's rebrand will take effect March 4th with the launch of Paramount Plus, officially. An expanded streaming home service for original series like Star Trek Picard, The Stand, uh, Star Trek Discovery, and the Twilight Zone revival, which will also serve as a hub for the company's massive library of programming. CBS All Access launched in the fall of 2014. Three years later, the streaming service launched its original programming, which now makes it home to the growing universe of Star Trek. The new brand hopes to unite the previously existing CBS All Access programming slate with an expanded roster under the Paramount Plus name. Viacom CBS has already announced several new series that will be hitting the streamer in the near future, including The Offer. That's a series about the making of Paramount's The Godfather a new edition of the music docuseries Behind the Music, and docuseries titled Real Criminal Minds, spinning off the popular CBS procedural Criminal Minds. Uh, The end goal of all this is to roll out 30 
thousand episodes and movies from the Viacom CBS library, along with original programming to make Paramount Plus more attractive to subscribers at a time when Netflix, Disney Plus, and HBO Max are all making major pushes of their own to keep customers interested. I, so. I thought the goal of this was to get Jeff and Matt to order another streaming service for a month and keep it for the six or seven months. And it's going to work. All right. I thought People. it was a rebrand. So so CBS All Access is going away. This yes. is taking its place, right? So right. we already got it there, Andy. Already oh. forgot about it two years ago. Well, when, when did it launch? Two years ago? <laughs> six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 2014, man. Six years ago. Not only do you not listen to the show after it's recorded, you don't listen to it while it's happening. <laughs> no, that's Jeff. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, interesting, uh, in a, uh, on a side note, they actually had some commercials this weekend during the football games for the new Paramount Plus rebrand, and they had uh, a variety of characters from the various series that are going to be on there. And uh, two of them that were on there were Anson Mount as Christopher Pike and Ethan Peck as Spock. So that, that was kind of cool to see in the, uh, in the commercial there. Perhaps, maybe, that when they do this rebrand, will that reset your free month thing? Like, if you got the free month of CBS oh, All Access... No, it will not. They and then they moved, that. The, <laughs> moved Paramount Plus. Do you get a, now a new free month for that being a, a new streaming service? Listen, Torgo, Step Step CEO already thought about that. Okay, so <laughs> you know what's what's weird though is like I keep getting free month offers from them in the in my email to sign up for another free month trial. Come back, come back, yeah. And they Maybe never have back. any like you have to have uh, at least one month paid or anything like. There's no restrictions, so every few months I could theoretically sign up for the free month and cancel it. It doesn't seem like some of the other ones where they give you the free month and then once you've used it, you can never do it again. They will do what they can to get you to come back and hopefully stay at least an extra month that you pay for. Right. In fact, I'm sure that when you left it, they probably offered you, hey, why don't we offer you this uh, for a short amount of time if you'll stay? Did they give you one of those? Yeah, they uh, they did like a... Uh, you know, six months for the price of three, I think, was one of the first offers. And then there were a couple other ones I don't remember. That's the one that sticks out in my mind. But, yeah, they, that, they give you a lot of offers for that stuff. I, I believe they've started offering a free bottle of toilet wine with subscription. <laughs> <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. Uh, Warner Brothers has officially greenlit Wonka. Uh, we brought this movie up when they first started developing it. It has been in development for quite some time, but the studio has finally decided to provide a green light with David Heyman, executive producer of the Harry Potter and Paddington films, in charge. While there are no plot details to report at this time, it's widely accepted that the movie will explore Willy Wonka's formative years and how Wonka became a candy inventor. Paddington director Paul King is attached to direct, and the screenplay was written by an American pickle scribe, Simon Rich. Uh, WB, Warner Brothers, is planning to release the feature on March 17th, 2023. The character was oh. created by author Roald Dahl, who first introduced Wonka in his 1964 children's book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Wonka returned in 1972's Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator, which continued the story of Charlie Bucket, an impoverished young boy who 
thanks to his pureness of heart, ends up inheriting Wonka's factory. Tim Burton readapted the first novel in 2005 with Johnny Depp as Wonka, and Netflix is currently working on its own Wonka content with uh, Taika Waititi's writing, directing, and executive producing two animated series based on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in public domain now? No. Uh, one will be a more traditional adaptation, while the second provides a wholly original take on the Wonka's singing factory workers, the Oompa Loompas. Which, there's, yeah, there's a lot of push for Wonka material all of a sudden. Am I the one that I, doesn't care? I, like, about the Willy Wonka and the, all that? Like, I don't care about that stuff, really. That's why well, it's in this section. Well, I get that, but I mean, anyone here, though, like in this, in this, this call? Or I, what? I'm, I'm I, confused. I I'm confused as to why there's so much Wonka love all of a sudden. Yeah. I'm guessing some of this has to do with uh, keeping options. Probably. Oh, uh, eh, I hate that shit. The Netflix, the two series, only because of the, the director and creator I'm interested in. I mean, he, he's pretty, he, he's create, done some interesting stuff. All right, and those will be animated versions, so that's a little little different, and they can get away with a, a lot more, I don't know, pizzazz on the screen with that. I don't, I'm just kids I, love pizzazz. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the whole idea of an origin story for for Willy Wonka, though. I just think is I don't kids know. love pizzazz. Is yeah, the executives I... is the executives on the Winx show trying to sound like kids? <laughs> kids love pizzazz. <laughs> Yeah, when I think of Bugs Bunny, I think pizzazz. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is weird that there's all of a sudden this want to do all this Charlie and the Chocolate Factory stuff. Yeah, who out there is clamoring for a prequel? I'm guessing nobody. No, That's what makes me really think that this is just keeping an option alive. Yeah, so it doesn't I... fall back to the Raw Dahl family. The character, I love how it's kind of mysterious. Like, you know, nobody really knows anything about him when Charlie meets him, you know, in both the book and the, the original film. So I kind of like that air of mystery and he is an trying to describe how and why he got to be the way that he is through a prequel, I think, does a disservice to the movie. But again, my opinion only. Sure, and, and that's what the Johnny Depp version did that went kind of into his history and yeah, yeah they did do they did a little bit of that right he's a dentist spawn also a prequel does not hold on to the the rights because it's all new material they're creating so, the characters though i think the characters are probably still under the rights i i would say it depends on the contract too adam wouldn't it it might be that even if they do a prequel then they hold on to their to their movie rights because they're doing something with the character mm. yeah i wouldn't know i don't know how all that copyright Baloney works. It's been a while since we did the the class in school on that kind of stuff. Right. So I, I, you know, things could have changed, but you're probably so. right. You're probably right. Oh, you know, ahead. thinking about it, that, that that would explain a lot of fucking prequels, <laughs> <laughs> right? True. For Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, for me, it's kind of a one and done. That 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 story is just that story. Even the book Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator is. It was in all that great. I'm not sure I've read the original book all the way through, but it seems it, to me there was a section it's on very the, racist. Yeah, it I seems to me there was a there was a section about the Oompa Loompas and where where there's some backstory for the Oompa Loompas. Yeah, the, in the original, he they're an African tribe. Yeah, they're that he, that he saves from some creatures that were eating up the tribe, and so he 
convince the tribe to come work for him and he'd protect them for the rest of their lives, that kind of thing. And, uh, and yeah, the, if you get the original illustrated version, it's quite disturbing. Oh, 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 yeah. Uh, but that first movie is lightning in a bottle. Uh, it's, it's and, a beautiful movie. Yeah. It's lovely. Yeah. It, it works on so many different levels and it's yeah. both disturbing and enchanting at the same time. Right. Yeah. I don't think it's something you can capture again. And an absolutely amazing performance by Gene Wilder. Oh, yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Without him, that movie, yeah, the lightning wouldn't yeah. have happened. He is the that lightning of that model. Yeah. He makes that movie work. And it's not an easy line he's walking. It's a tightrope. Yeah. Hitch meeting did, did Willy Wonka, and it was hilarious, as they all are. But one of the things they went into in that is the uh, boat ride and all the weird imagery. Yeah. And he's describing all the imagery. He's like, well, nobody's going to be able to see that. I don't know, it'll be too fast. It may be terrible if somebody created technology. We could slow that down and see what this stuff is happening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's butchering of a, a live chicken in that. It's, it's, oh, it's yeah. a weird movie. Yeah. News you don't give a shit about. The backlash to the announcement that Xbox Live Gold prices would be going up for new customers was so intense that Xbox rescinded the change just hours after the announcement. On July of 2020, it was discovered that you could no longer buy yearly subscriptions of Xbox Live Gold from the Microsoft Store. Uh, That's what allows you to play multiplayer games. Without it, you can't play multiplayer. A representative for Microsoft said at the time, Xbox has decided to remove the 12 months Xbox Live Gold SKU from the Microsoft's online store. Customers can still sign up for one month or three month Xbox Live Gold subscription online through the Microsoft store, unquote. This change led many to believe that Xbox Live was eventually going to become a free service that would no longer require a subscription. However, another spokesperson for Microsoft made it very clear just a few weeks later that Xbox Live Gold would not be discontinued for the foreseeable future. What few people expected, though, was that the price of Xbox Live Gold would increase. The backlash was so intense that it prompted a response from everyone at Xbox, including Phil Spencer. Spencer apologized for the, quote, angst and emotion that the proposed price increase caused many Xbox's loyal customers and vowed to learn from the incident. Uh, Saturday night, Xbox not only brought yearly subscription options back, but also made it so you can enjoy free-to-play games without a subscription. Uh, and it was quite the hike, uh, because you can get uh, what Xbox Live Gold for the year costs what, 65 70 bucks, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think uh, so. In fact, mine just got renewed for that amount, because okay. I'm still on, yeah. on an Xbox 360. Well, they just, when they were yeah. getting rid of that, the three month option cost, I think it was thirty dollars a month, and it went up five dollars during this. So, when thirty five dollars for three months, so it, it's quite a hike from the yeah. yearly version. So, yeah. almost double, almost double, yeah. And and I wasn't uh, going to renew quadruple. it. I wasn't going to renew it because of that. And I was like, this is ridiculous. But then all of a sudden, they were like, hey, you got your year back for the same price, and I was like, okay. So yeah, that that was the tempest in a teapot that happened this weekend. That's uh, probably saved some of the, their fan base just saying no to Xbox yeah. overall. Well, Xbox, I was going to leave if if that happened. Yeah. Microsoft just keeps doing stuff like this. It's like almost as if they don't do any focus groups beforehand to see how it's going to be received. They do what they do, and then they backtrack 
later when they get the the backlash from the fans because mm-hmm. they did the same thing with the uh, the digital copyright uh, stuff with the uh, when the I- Xbox One was first introduced and then they backtracked less than a month later. But this this time they did it with an hours of the announcement. So I don't know. It just seems like they're not doing a thorough research on anything before they go forward with these ridiculous ideas. I think they just go ahead and just go for it and say, you know what, if there's too much of a stink, we'll just bring it back. Uh, but if but if only a little bit of a stink happens, we'll keep it. It's kind of like EA when they're throwing real commercials in the UFC game. Right. Well, it's also that mentality of, like, if you never ask, you'll never get it. So it doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah. The worst thing that can happen is people just say no, and then we'll just give them what... I mean, there's, I think there's partly that mentality there. I don't necessarily agree with that mentality in this situation, but I think that's what's partly going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, was, it was in the board meeting. How can we maximize profits? Does anybody have an I- any ideas? Charge more. <laughs> <laughs> it just shows you how out of touch those corporate rooms are with everything. Because it's like, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, it's a pandemic going on. Let's raise the, let's almost double it. Nothing will yeah. happen. Quadruple it. Kentucky math, guys. And that brings us to Weekend Geek! Yay! Woo-hoo! Another prequel series in the Game of Thrones universe entitled The Tales of Dunk and Egg has entered the early stages of development at HBO. The one-hour series plans to adapt several of Martin's Don Quixote-esque novellas that center around Sir Duncan the Tall, Dunk, and young Aegon Targaryen, Egg, almost 100 years before the events of the main show. Three such novellas have been published so far, The Hedge Knight in 98, The Sworn Sword in 2003, and The Mystery Knight in 2010. All of them were collected in the 2015 illustrated compendium, A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. The Tales of Duncan Egg is the third Game of Thrones prequel series to be considered by the network. Uh, The first one was shut down, but the other one, House of the Dragon, an exploration of House Targaryen, is also moving forward and plans to debut sometime next year. Hmm. So if you loved some Game of Thrones, we knew more was coming. But I haven't read the novellas of Duncan Egg, but I have read a uh, graphic novel interpretation of hedge knight and it is good it's 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 entertaining it does well what game of thrones does well in that it gives us two very very solid characters that you can fall in love with and identify with quickly before they get killed right (laughs) (laughs) so So, is is summer coming in this one uh, well, it's this was the summer that happened before. This is this is the this is the one crazy summer of Game of Thrones. Now yeah, is the summer of our discontent. Maybe the summer of love. Egan. This, this is the <laughs> this is the savage Steve Holland version of Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch one that one. Duncan Duncan Eggs summer. <laughs> And somehow somebody puts on a Godzilla suit. I don't know, but it works. Um, Heritage Auctions confirmed that a Batman number one from 1940 set a new world record last week with a $2.2 million sale during the first session of the Comics and Comic Art event. That's not even the first appearance. Right. And that makes it, number one, the most expensive Batman comic ever purchased, and two, the most expensive comic book Heritage Auction has ever sold. Uh, The previous record holder was also a Batman number one, 
which netted five hundred and sixty-seven thousand dollars in twenty thirteen, and this pissed. one went for two point two million. <laughs> what was that, Matt? I said the guy who sold it's pissed. Uh, it was uh, rated <laughs> right. It was rated with a nine point four from the Certified Guarantee Company, also known as CGC. The original owner inherited it after his father's death in twenty nineteen. His dad bought the comic for three thousand dollars. The auction set a second milestone with $132,000 being paid for a Detective Comics number 359 from 1969 that marked the debut of Batgirl. According to Heritage, that total is, quote, the most ever paid for a Batman title published from mid-1950s to mid-70s during the Silver Age. When I was maybe 12, my dad and I were in a bookstore and ran across an early copy of the Overstreet's Guide. Yes. And we were just like mind boggled. It's like somebody's gonna pay nine hundred dollars for 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 Superman number one? What? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been a bargain back then. Oh well, absolutely. And actually and then probably action comics one night, I think of it. But yeah, I mean just we we were gobsmacked at the the, the prices we saw and they were they were you know, obviously a, a fraction of what they are now. And of course we can't go a week without losing somebody, so this week we are honoring actress Mira Furlan. Yeah, uh, she was 65, born in the former Yugoslavia. Furlan was a member of the Croatian National Theater and acted in many shows and movies, including the 1985 Academy Award nominated film When Father Was Away on Business. She immigrated to the United States in 1991, where she landed the role of Delen. Is it Delen? Delen. Delen, a mini bar yeah. ambassador whose home is eventually embroiled Minbari. in a civil war. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I wrote mini bar. It's a mini bar in Bari. Oh, she must be the Guinan of Battle Outside. The newest member of the UN, the mini bar. Would the ambassador from Minibar like to chime in on the Paris uh, Accord? I would love to. Let me tell you what I think about that. Man, do I want to go to that embassy party? <laughs> wow. Uh, Minbari, eh? That's, that's yes. how much Minbari. Power like that. Min, Minbari, yes. Okay. A Minibar ambassador whose home is eventually embroiled in a civil war on Babylon 5 a year later. She starred in all five seasons of Babylon 5, as well as some of the TV movies. In 2004, she was cast as Danielle Rousseau, a scientist who had been shipwrecked on the island 16 years before the crash of Oceanic Flight 815 in the hit series Lost, appearing in 20 episodes across all six seasons. Uh, Furlong's additional TV credits include voicing the Silver Sable in Spider-Man the Animated Series, guest starring as The Traveler on Prime Video's Just Add Magic, and most recently playing as Von Odara on Space Command. So, uh, Mira Furlan. I don't know if they're still around on YouTube because it's been a while since I've seen them, but she had some really interesting stories uh, about growing up in Yugoslavia and, and being an actress in that era and then having being basically blacklisted by, um, I forget which particular company, but it's because she was crossing borders, acting in different things in different areas and how coming to the U.S. was kind of a fresh start for her. And there's stories that would be heartbreaking 
for anyone, but she approached it with such grace and such hope that, you know, one day things would be better and she'd be able to go back. And she's just an amazing actress when you find out anything about her, her background. So that was, that was a tough loss. When I read Straczynski's Twitter post about her passing, I, I audibly gasped. That cast, man, it's been devastated. Oh yeah. Over half of them are dead. Yeah. Well, and and the, the surviving cast members, their tributes to her were were quite touching over the last couple of days. Um, just definitely, it shows what kind of a impression she left on them. And I think that Babylon Five is coming to HBO Max at the end of this month. For those that have Max and haven't seen Babylon Five, now is your opportunity. I never did get uh, into Babylon Five. I think I was just into, busy with other things at that time. So, yeah. Suffers from a weak very first season, but that lays yeah. the, the groundwork for like stories that are concluded in like the fifth, fourth, and third season. Like it's really yeah. How come I've never mentioned that before, uh, Matt? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> you know, I gotta say, uh, Matt might be the angriest Canadian I've ever known. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we've we've sussed this out. We've sussed this out. Listen, listen. It's I'm gonna crazy. tell you why I'm so angry. Okay, listen. <laughs> No, no, this is why I'm so angry. The angriest Canadian you've ever known, okay? When we're born, there's a ritual in Canada where we pass all our anger onto a Canada goose. Mine was gone that day. Was it? Yeah, so I had to by, take it with by, me. By pass just, it on, do you mean you're fucking a goose? Are you just oh, fucking a goose? No, no, no. When you turn 16, do every Canadian fucks a goose? Is that what you're telling me? Sure, why not? We'll go with that. We fuck a goose at 16. Are geese like ducks? Do they have a labyrinthine vagina? So basically, because that didn't, I didn't do that, I got kicked out of the country. So I'm here with you, ah. fucks. So. Uh, I will oh. quote a man wiser than me who said, he's more machine than man. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I don't know a lot of angry machines either, but that's okay. <laughs> but uh, Lada, you have not seen it? I've not seen what. Uh, yeah, I I think I've seen a uh, I think I've seen a couple of the episodes. I just I never when it was on I was not watching a lot of TV at that time, and so I missed it. I would say Holy. that it's like the beginning of the space operas. I would say I don't know I don't know if I stepping over yeah. on that one or but it's really good. Yeah, I have several friends who have adored it and just said it's an amazing show. It was one of the first to introduce the idea of having a season longs and as well as a series long story arc, but still have encapsulated episodes. All right, gentlemen, that's it for news this week. Now it's time to turn to Dunright Productions and do some red light, green light. Red light, green light, such a fun game to play. Being live, right? Such a great song. Thank you. It is catchy. It is a catchy little tune. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, here we go. It is time for some more pitches. Pitches. Yeah, you know it. Uh, We've got four once again, but once again, our money is strapped. So you get the green light one of these, and one of these is a fake pitch. All right. So your four choices that you get to choose this week. The green light are 
Honor Harrington, Turner and Hooch, The Cleaners, and Moreau. Those are your four shows. Like Dr. Moreau? You will find out, sir. You will find yeah. out. No, it's just a guy rowing a boat. Just a guy going, my row. I'm just rowing a boat. Don't mind me. That's all it <laughs> Honor is. Honor Harrington, I don't even know her. Wow. So glad you're here, Andy. <laughs> then Andy comes creeping in with that pillow. I was going to say, he pillowed that one for sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Don't encourage him, Adam. <laughs> just like in our own personal shock monkeys not. lair bernie meme <laughs> <laughs> all right gentlemen we're going to start with the first pitch uh, save your red light green lights till the end and we'll go through one by one and switch one you're gonna green light so here it is first off we have netflix we'll be diving into the honor verse with honor harrington based on the best-selling sci-fi series by David Weber. Uh, Go- uh, Robert Gordon, uh, writer for Galaxy Quest, Man in Black 2, will write alongside Weber, and will follow the heroine Honor Harrington and her adventures beyond the Basilisk system. The series will open based on the 1993 novel on Basilisk Station. Here's a description from the novel. Having made him look a fool... Honor Harrington has been exiled to Basilisk Station in disgrace and set up for ruin by a superior who hates her. Her demoralized crew blames her for their ship's humiliating posting to an out-of-the-way picket station. The aborigines of the system's only habitable planet are smoking homicide-inducing hallucinogens. Parliament isn't sure if it wants to keep the place. A major local industry is smuggling. The merchant cartels want her head. The star-conquering so-called Republic of Haven is up to something. And Honor Harrington has a single over-age light cruiser with an armament that doesn't work to police the entire star system. But the people out to get her have made one mistake. They've made her mad. Uh, Robert Lieberman, who directed uh, some of Dexter, will direct the pilot. Uh, Naren Shakar from For All Mankind will produce. Daniel Panabacker will star as the commander. And production starts uh, set to start in 2021. And that is Honor Harrington. I think I that's like uh, uh, Daniel like Panabacker. I think she... I think she's on uh, in the Belanti verse. Yeah, the Flash, right? She plays Doctor Stowe, Frost, something like that. Yep. All right, Dr. Killer Stowe Frost, or just yeah, Frost, Dr. I guess Stowe. now. All right. So that's Honor Harrington. Next up, uh, Jeff's favorite Mick G has signed up to direct the pilot episode of Disney Plus's upcoming series reboot of the 1989 film Turner and Hooch. He will also serve as an executive producer on the 12-episode show. The series stars Josh Peck uh, from Drake and Josh and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as Scott Turner, quote, an ambitious, buttoned-up U.S. Marshal who inherits a big, unruly dog. He soon realizes the pet he did want may be the partner he needs, unquote. The series is being written and executive produced by Matt Nix, who did Burn Notice, Five French Mastiffs also take on the role of Hooch. Uh, Arnie, Hammer, Obi, Sid, and Maya are the names of the five dogs. So Turner and Hooch for Disney+. Plus. Next up, we have The Cleaners. Amazon has a new sci-fi series in the works called The Cleaners. It's based on a short story written by Ken Liu. 
The show is set in the near future where, quote, inanimate objects carry the memories of people's experiences and a certain number of the population have the ability to relive those memories by touch, unquote. So-called cleaners in this world are individuals who clear the objects of their memories, and the show will focus on one young man who inherits his family's cleaning business. Lou's short story is based on The Princess and the Pea and will be published by Amazon Original Stories in the collection Far Away, a set of retold fairy tales. That's The Cleaners. And finally, we have Moreau. The H.G. Wells story, The Island of Dr. Moreau, is getting an update for a new TV series titled Moreau. The series will aim to bring the story of a mad scientist creating human-animal hybrids into the 21st century via the work of screenwriter Zach Stentz, best known for work on films like X-Men First Class and Rim of the World and the TV series uh, Jurassic World Camp Crustaceous. Rather than the original Dr. Moreau approach of vivisection to create hybrid creatures, Moreau will use a more modern genetic engineering as its sci-fi hook. The series is set to follow the brilliant Dr. Jessica Moreau, whose work in genetics draws the interest of a billionaire willing to use all of their financial resources to reach, quote, the next step of human evolution, unquote. Gentlemen, you have Honor Harrington, Turner and Hooch, The Cleaners, and Moreau, where do you lay your green light? We'll start with our guest, Adam. What do you say? Well, I say, um, why was Turner and Hooch made originally? <laughs> Tom Hanks is why. <laughs> well, yeah. So why would we make it again? I just, I'm, I, yeah, I'm tired of. Let's remake a thing that was moderately okay, that a handful of people remember. So, no, thank you. And the Dr. Moreau story has just never really fascinated me at all. I don't know why. It just does nothing for me. But the cleaners, that's an interesting idea. I feel like it reminds me of, I'm trying to think of what, there's some other movie that it, or story that it reminds me of and I can't think of. It's very and, similar to Warehouse 13, almost. Yeah, maybe that's what I, yeah, there's some similarities to that. And there was also some similarities. There was a... Uh, like a Jude Law movie. What was that movie with Forrest Whitaker where they, in the future, where they had to repossess organs? I don't know why it's Repo reminding men. me of that. Repo yeah, I don't men, know yeah. why it's re- reminding me of that. But, but the first one, the honor, what's it, honor? Honor Harrington. Harrington. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a book series I've, I know has I, existed. It, it's, I think there's like 14 books in the thing right now. It's been it's, around for ages. I mean, that description is, uh, I mean, they forgot the kitchen sink, but other than that, I mean, it is, there's a lot going on there, but it sounds really fascinating. It could be really fun. Uh, yeah, that's a toss up for me. I, I like both of those. I, I, um, I think I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go with cleaners. Although the Harrington sounds really interesting too, but I, I would green light clean, cleaners. I think sounds like an interesting concept in a, in a, in an unusual challenging world to play in so all right all that's right. a one green light for the cleaners uh how about you matt where do you lay your green i don't know the the cleaner sounds good but i'm getting like a minority report kind of vibe and also repo men i don't know why minority report i just that's what i think of when i hear that yeah i like that movie though so i'm okay with yeah. that and uh I, I gotta go with honor harriet honestly that one was you had me with that right uh, from honor, the go. honor harriet 
Yeah. Honor Harriet. She got all the slaves <laughs> out of Pluto. <laughs> Honor Harriet. Gets all the slaves out of Pluto and gets them to Basilisk. Stop taking Andy's bit, Matt. <laughs> Actually, I'm liking this Honor Harriet bitch. <laughs> Little did we know that Pluto is riddled with slaves and they needed to be freed to Vasculus, the lair of that is. It's a it's a it's a deep secret uh, sequel to Pluto Nash. Oh, sure. Yikes. <laughs> he missed you, Andy. <laughs> we didn't miss the pillow though. <laughs> All right, so that's a uh, Matt, you said a green light for Honor Harrington, right? Yep. I I didn't really pay attention for the other two, honestly. So it didn't really grab me. Not that I didn't pay attention. It's just it didn't I don't know what it didn't grab me. So right there red and red. Once um, again, Matt picks the first one. No. <laughs> well, all right, you got, uh, Mr. Analysis Andy. Let's go. Come on, Analysis Andy. Let's go. All right, yeah, Andy. Uh, what's what's uh, what you got? Uh, I'm 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 with uh, Adam here. I I can't imagine why they would remake Turner and Hooch, but they probably are, which is a terrible thing. Moreau, they might go. It could be interesting, but that doesn't swing me. I like the idea of the cleaners, but I'm not sure what stories I can tell with it. I like the world building, but I don't know where it goes. So for me, it's Otter Harrington, which, you know, as Adam was saying, everything but the kitchen sink. I want to see that show. The, the thing that really interests me with this cleanest thing is that you get this whole thing about inanimate objects carrying the experiences. People are hired to take those off. But then that at the last sentence that the short story based on the princess and the pea, that's where my brain goes, what? what? It was a little yeah. left turnish. There's a little bit of a left turn there in that description, definitely. All right, the command K, what you got? Moreau would actually be the most interesting to me, except that the bringing in the the military interest in Jessica Moreau's work it I don't think there was anything military on there. There's the billionaires using their financial resources for the next step in human evolution, but I don't. I don't think I said anything okay. about uh, military. All right, I, I miss. I misheard that. I, I'm still. I'm not. I think the island of Doctor Moreau works where Moreau is something of a complicated villain. This doesn't <laughs> sound like that. Shut so, huh? Not, I'm just making a stupid shaft joke. Sorry. Oh, all right. <laughs> Leave the shaft jokes to Andy. <laughs> Damn right. But uh, so I'm just talking I'm, about Doctor Moreau. I was yeah, actually, I was actually kind of there until that last sentence. The 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 memories, objects, things actually doesn't grab me at all for that description. Well, wait, 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 wait. I got you for you. So. The cleaner dude is rummaging through a sock drawer and he oh, runs his hands over a dildo. <laughs> Thank you, okay, Step Ward. Green light. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets all the memories from that inanimate objects. <laughs> yeah. Really? Or he's like looking under somebody's bed and grabs their hard sock. Why are there hearts under the bed? Hard socks. Crusty oh. semen filled <laughs> socks is what he's referring to. <laughs> Well, you see, Andy. <laughs> a joke's always better when you got to explain it. Andy, yeah, Andy's too old is. to remember having socks to be able to do that with Adam, so he's <laughs> it's 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 new to him. I can't even remember the other thing. 
Turner, uh, and, Hooch. Turner and Hooch and Honor Harrington. Oh, oh, Turner and Hooch. Um, actually, Adam, you know, there is the, the, the philosophy of don't remake great movies. Remake, you know. That. So, but you are very right about Tom Hanks. So, I mean, boy, um, to, uh, to paraphrase uh, Samuel Jackson, that dog better have a lot of fucking personality because I'm not I'm not really seeing I'm not really seeing that either, to be honest. Yeah. Honorverse uh, TV show, the the Honor Harrington, it's a, a liked a like sci-fi prop property. It's a military sci-fi property. David Weber. I think Eric Flint also writes for it. And there are a lot of people that that have been clamoring for that TV show for a while. And. And I, I heard you right, uh, Todd. It's Caitlin Snow. Uh, the uh, yeah, da- uh, the Daniel Panabaker, the actress that plays Caitlin Snow in Flash. I like her. I like her yeah. a lot. Actually, seeing her having this series, I I would totally be on board with. It's not a fanatical green light like uh, the whole um, you know hip hop sorcerers, but yeah, I'll green light that. I love that that's become your benchmark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we continue on to Jeff, I just, Kay, have you read any of the Honor Harrington books? I have not, but I actually have friends who have, and they all recommend them and they all love them. And, you know. All right. All right, Jeff, uh, what's your, where's your green? God, I, I got to admit, it's another week where none of these pitches interests me at all um the the honor harrington pitch had too many cliches in it for me so i that would that that instantly became a red light i mean the you know now they've made her mad come on that's i'm I'm tired of that pitch um (laughs) this time it's personal yeah exactly (laughs) the turner and hooch one yeah i'm like no moreau had potential i think like kirsten said as a series if you can develop the personalities of the characters but no uh yeah i'm i'm not a nothing for me this week everything's a red light all right jeff decides not to vote all right so we have three green lights for honor harrington and one for the cleaners so uh, honor harrington that's getting the uh that's getting the push i haven't read the books either but it's been one of those things it's like the first book has been on my Kindle for like a year, just two years, I think, just waiting to be read eventually. But it's also one of those things is like, do I want to start a 14 book series? So oh, come on, Horace Heresy. Come on. <laughs> You're right. I started that, didn't I? Um, yeah. There's a book called Horse Heresy. Horace Heresy. Yeah. The ah, Horace okay. Heresy. It, it's a it's a Warhammer 40K novel. Of series. course it is. That's Why like haven't you ever mentioned books. this book before? <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen. So uh, honors got it. Uh, so would you like to take a guess as to which one is the fake pitch? Honor, isn't it? It's Honor, Honor Harrington. It? <laughs> uh, you know, I think it might be Turner and Hooch. To tell you the truth, I'm going to say it's Moreau. It's Moreau. Yeah, I'm going to go with Moreau too. Harrington. All right. You're right. It is Honor Harrington. That was sent to us by our very own Pat Spurl, DJ Croak. Gave us that one. 
And I'm sad uh, for two reasons. One, I'm sad that we're going to get Turner and Hooch, the cleaners, and Moreau. And I'm sad that Honor Harrington is not being made. Oh, uh, you don't like the cleaners? Uh, you know what? Uh, cleaners has some potential, and I know Ken Liu is is a a big sci-fi name right now. Sure. Uh, probably why this got greenlit in the first place. But uh, and of course, he wrote it for a Amazon book that they're they're publishing. So of course, they're they're grabbing what they can yeah. out of that. But yeah, Honor Harrington. Ever since I've worked at the bookstore, the Honor Harrington books have been staring at me. Uh, for for decades now, uh, and for Bad. those that that are interested in Honor Harrington books, and if you have a Kindle, but the, the first two books are free on Kindle. Oh, mm. okay. so if you if you do want to start that series, first two books are are ready for you. I'm not sure it's one of those one of those continuous omnibuses. This series yeah. goes way back. I don't think you need to be too scared of getting involved in a 14 book series. As much as, 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 you know, modern day series are. That does make sense, Kay. Uh, it does kind of seem like those books are. Here's another adventure in the life of Honor Harrington. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Monkeys, try it out for yourself if you want a Kindle. It's free. Why not? Uh, I already grabbed the first two books. Well, the second book, I already had the first. So, uh, so who's excited to see Turner and Hooch on Disney Plus? Eh. <laughs> see, this is, this is why I don't have Disney Plus. You know. I might just cancel it now. So I won't be tempted by Turner and Hooch, you know. Do we have a timeline on Turner and Hooch? Uh, no, I bet not, it, not as of I yet, but it, I mean, they've cast the dogs, so I'm pretty sure it's pretty soon. It can't be more than an hour and 45 minutes, so that would be the timeline. <laughs> I mean, can you get much more out of that? I, like, I can't imagine it'd be more than an hour. No, I, I meant when it comes out, but yeah. Um, and it's, there's five dogs. Is it like Jamie Madrox? Is there multiple dogs? I'd like to see that. Like a dog that's split into five dogs and come back into one dog. It's, you're making the X-Men reference of... Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Uh, wow. I, I could say definitively no. Uh, but Damn it. Can you say definitively? I can. I, I, think, <laughs> I, I think I can lay good money on that bet. <laughs> Just because Disney owns the X-Men doesn't mean they're going to turn Turner and Hooch into the multi-man. I, Kirsten, I do agree with the, the concept of don't remake great movies. I do agree with that concept. But I also, like, man, Turner and Hooch just, there's nothing there. Right. There's, there's nothing uh, worth asking there. Your point about Hanks is right on. It's going to be fine. Mick G is in charge. Sure. But wait. Yeah. Oh, wait, guys. You didn't realize that, did Disney you? Plus. Marvel. Yep. What yeah, if each is lockjaw? <laughs> I think he has just as good a choice as being Maddox. Um, I think he's more like a Deadpool than a than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> if that dog hasn't I'll, been riddled with every kind of disease there's ever been, you know, like <laughs> dog pool, so, dog pool. Okay. Sure. So thank you, Pat, for sending in that Pitches Bitches, uh, and uh, a, a good one at that, because that's a show I want to see. Yeah. Sure. And uh, once again, Green Lit, but of course, the uh, I, I'm trying to line it up with stuff that I think might work, like the, the Cleaners and, and Miro, but uh, that obviously didn't didn't inspire anybody. Well, Cleaners kind of did. Yeah. Uh, Turner and Hooch, uh, we all knew where that one was going. <laughs> 
It's a dumpster fire. <laughs> you, you know, when you see a dumpster fire, no matter, you could put, you could paint, put lipstick on it, but it's still a dumpster fire. <laughs> <laughs> like, like lipstick on a dumpster fire. You're absolutely exactly. right. <laughs> the old saying goes way back, <laughs> like lipstick on a dumpster fire. <laughs> and Panna Baker, Panna Baker as Harrington, I think is a, is a very good idea. Yeah, Spurl laid out a great set. In fact, yeah. uh, I, I changed uh, some of the directors and so on for it, but I had to like reduce some of it because it would have been like too obvious because Robert Lieberman, the director of Dexter, who's doing the pilot according to this, yeah. uh, is a is a director for The Expanse. Naren Shankar, who did For All Mankind, also worked on Expanse. So I'm like, I can't put so much Expanse on there. <laughs> Spurl, you, you wrote us a good one. Thank you so much. And yeah, if you thanks. want to send uh, send it to us, uh, somebody out there, write us at pitches bitches, uh, care of comments at uglycowshow.com. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Hard parole K. <laughs> Fact tape Andy. Stat Maple Leaf. Matt. And Captain Luddite. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. Thank you for joining us, Captain. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And uh, thank you for putting up with Andy. Yay! <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I've met Andy before. Yeah. <laughs> we, you knew what you were getting point. into. It's not, my, it's not my first time riding Andy. He bought his Whoa. ticket. He knew what he was getting into. <laughs> I say, let him crash. <laughs> I think it's free to the huh? What about Miami there, huh? Okay. <laughs> oh, they come in hot God. there, did they? Oh man, that what's a what a burn. Ooh, ah. <laughs> I, I like yeah. how you've given yourself kind of an angelic halo there, okay? To kind of oh, well, yeah. Huh? I, I want to counter Andy's wild, uh, overdressed homeless guy look. <laughs> Still kind of low. Uh, if keep talking, I'll bet it evens itself out. Go, uh, go ahead and just say a few sentences for me. Fuck Kirsten. Fuck Jeff. <laughs> Hello, Andy. Hey. <laughs> Hello, Adam. I, w- I was going to avoid mentioning this because it's just weird and sad. But uh, when's that ever but, stopped you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pleasure to meet you, Matt. Oh, we've met before. Well, I guess we have, haven't we? <laughs> Squaring the Strange, which was um, the latest episode, was uh, um, Sasquatch. Hang on a second. Ah, Jesus Christ. I know. (laughs) Get get another person's mask. Start with some news you don't give a shit about. All right, gentlemen, we are at. I hurt myself on that one. (laughs) <laughs> sounded like it. Yes, only but yourself did you hurt. Yeah, there was <laughs> no one else was hurt by that at all. Yes, of course you. Uh, <laughs> and we're burying the lead. Kirsten, you identifying as a man now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, now I've changed. Uh, everybody, talk a little bit so I can see where your mic levels are at. So Jeff, go oh, ahead and start. Uh, Say some sentences. Saying oh. some sentences. Talking right. into the microphone. You sound good. Kirsten, go ahead. Boners, boners, boners. Yeah, that works. Andy, go ahead. Life with hard parole or hard, uh, hard, hard uh, labor for uh, Trump. Uh, <laughs> hard parole. Yes. <laughs> you fucked that up big time. Uh, <laughs>
No, no you, got my, you got my parole all hard there, no Andy. Parole. The thing is, this, this isn't even... We're not even recording episode right now. And, I know. And that's an episode title, for God's sake. My parole just got hard. Mm. <laughs> All right. Uh, Matt, go ahead and uh, talk. Hey, ladies, you order a pardon? <laughs> Andy, Andy, Andy. Andy, Andy, Andy. That's all I got to say. <laughs> uh, and Adam, go ahead and say if you will. How much fart would a wood fart fart if a wood fart could fart fart? God, that's such a parole. That's such a porn title. And probably a softcore porn title there. Like, how I'm much fart would a wood fart fart? No, the hard parole. Like, I'm sorry, lady, but I'm going to have to sentence you to hard parole. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. What's your name, Warden? <laughs> hard what are you parole. doing, Step Warden? That's a mixture of kinks right there, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I was just hanging out in my cell when my step warden came in. <laughs> thing you know. <laughs> Just taking a shower. Oh, step warden. <laughs> Got caught under the cot. <laughs> oh. Come on in, step you've warden. Got, I'm just making got, some yeah. toilet wine. It's time for news you don't give a shit about. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. That was, uh, what is that song? Yeah, what is that song? I'm trying to think. That reminded me of. Which one? Blue Moon. Yes, Blue Moon. You going blah, 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 reminded me of Blue Moon. Blue Moon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No fucking shit. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was what I was. Yeah. I forgot that song. Is that song called Blue Moon? No. No. Yeah. It's a witch doctor. Uh, could have easily fit ah, the Ray Stevens song too. So the witch doctor song. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Anyway. Well, how did we get here? Hey, you said it's news we don't give a shit about. Well, I'm trying to contribute. Todd, usually when a man and a woman love each other, oh, um, and then they... I'm pretty uh, sure this is shit people don't... You know, this is stuff people don't give a shit about. When Step Warden gives you some hard parole. I do. You're just going to... Make lemonade or what? Toilet wine <laughs> no, you, you make toilet wine. There you go. <laughs> Spit in your hand and make the best of it. That's what you do. (laughs) Andy visibly cringed there. That was awesome. (laughs) Andy, Andy, Max is in the bathtub, so he's not going to know anything. Your your microphone cut out there again. Oh, fucking Christ. (laughs) The entire movie is nothing but the, the E.T. aliens, which you can't tell apart. All ETs look alike, man. Mm-hmm. That's racist. You guys are racist. I know, man. Like, what kind of podcast is this? Oh, it says the guy who was talking about how bad was it? Manuel? What was it? Yeah. 
Enrique. What are we talking about? Enrique. <laughs> Enrique and the boys, I believe. That's right. yeah. that's, that's what it was. <laughs> I thought he was talking about a salsa band. I didn't realize he was just being a racist. <laughs> but there's that question, like, is E.T. a children's movie? No, I don't think so. But a lot of kids did go see it, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I think it was marketed towards children. Wasn't that PG-13? Wasn't it? it was definitely yeah. marketed towards children. No, it was before PG-13 was a thing, I think. But, but, uh, yeah. but you're right. Deep, deep, heavy moments in that movie. Yeah. That, thou shalt cry at the end. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Walkie-talkies or guns, you'll cry. <laughs> I mean, just the scene where, like, he's all the scientists are in the house, and the house is all now covered. That is really intense for kids. Yeah. Uh, for adults, yeah. like, whoa, this got serious. This, this, this amped up. That, that, you know. Yeah. And finding the barely alive yeah. alien in the ditch. Yeah. Yes. No, that's, yeah. The last third of that movie is like, whoa, this is not a kid's movie anymore. Like, no, what it's, it's, it's downright traumatic. <laughs> yeah. It was Spielberg in his uh, poltergeist period. Yeah. This was, uh, this article was talking about uh, Spielberg having come off of Close Encounters and wanted to essentially do what would have been a sequel to Close Encounters. And it was supposed to be this really intense kind of almost horror movie. Yeah. And he took element of it, elements of it and reworked it, and that's what became E.T. Like so sky. if like it's that. true, <laughs> I could totally see how that would have been. Instead of, you know, malevolent aliens, it becomes benevolent alien, I, a la E.T. So. Yeah. No, you're right. That is how it did begin. Okay. And I have never read the sequel. There's a sequel? They wrote a sequel to E.T. I think it's called The Green Planet. Sure. In novel in novel form. Yeah, that's a thing that exists. The, the sequel you... to E.T. in... Yeah, there was a screenplay written, too. And it um, Spielberg felt like it didn't do the first movie justice, so he uh, let it you know, just let it go. And I, I didn't realize they'd made the novelization out of it until you said oh. that, Todd. Yeah, yeah. The book, of, book of the Green Planet. Book of the Todd, Green Planet. Todd, wow. I don't envy you the, uh, the editing job on this because eh. you, you said, you said the, uh, the uh, step warden thing would be something at the end, but we've referenced it so many times. The shock monkeys know the show. It's, it's not yeah. a concern. <laughs> they'll, they'll get it when they hear the, the, the ending stuff. They'll be right. like, oh, now that makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I'll, just, I'll just read this little bit. So the book was written by uh, William Conswinkle. Uh, right name. Right. He wrote the sequel, E.T., The Book of the Green Planet, published in 1985. In the novel, E.T. Home, returns home to the planet of Brodo Asogi, but is subsequently demoted and sent into exile. He attempts to return to Earth by effectively breaking all of Brodo Asogi's laws. What? Yes, that's. <laughs> he becomes a rebel. He becomes an outlaw. Yes. Uh, some yeah. other gems written by William Kotzwinkel. He wrote uh, the Superman 3 novelization. Uh, but he also wrote the 1996 book, The Bear Went Over the Mountain. To see what he could see? It's, uh, a, it's about a bear that goes uh, hides as, he, as a human being, <laughs> I think. What? what? All of a sudden, I got interested in this book. <laughs> It was nominated for the 97 World Fantasy Award. Wow. It, you know what? The, the description is short. So red light, green light, guys. Arthur Bremall isolates himself <laughs> in, 
a forest cabin to write a novel. Once it is complete, he goes off to buy champagne in celebration after first burying the manuscript to protect it from fire. In his absence, a bear digs up the manuscript. The bear reads the manuscript, decides it's good, brings it to New York City, where he is accepted as a talented author and a desirable party guest. What? What? I want to see this movie. (laughs) Wow. And and, uh, the movie rights for the book were sold to Jim Henson. So many questions. Like, why was he afraid of the fire? Like, what? where does that? Like, well, I just randomly bury this because you never know when a fire might happen. How does the bear know how to read? How does the, why does the bear pick that one? There are so many questions. <laughs> so many layers. Oh, <laughs> I want to I see that. I, the bear went over the mountain. That's that what it's called? Yep. Written in 1990 or published in 1996. Wow. Okay. I have one more piece of, piece of Codswinkle. <laughs> oh, good God. Codswinkle. Yes. Look, yeah. I told you to keep that in your pants. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he also wrote the original story for the movie A Nightmare in Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. <laughs> this guy's all over the place. He is. Wow. He, he won the World Fantasy Award for the best novel for Dr. Rats in 1977. This Dr. guy's been around. He has. Absolutely, he is. he's not afraid to touch anything. He's like, I'll write it. <laughs> Give me it. <laughs> trying to flush that turd down the toilet and it can't flush down, it becomes alive and starts walking around. I'll write it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm wondering if any of you have had this happen to you in your lives. I decided not too long ago to reread 1984. Okay. Uh, Yes, we did it for the book club about a year, year and a half ago. Sure, sure. And I just saw it on the shelf, and I thought, you know what? I'll reread this. And I got about three pages in and realized I had never read it. Oh. Oh. But I could have sworn I had. Oh, wow. I have owned a copy of it for probably well over a decade, if not longer, maybe two decades. Mm -hmm. But I think I stole that copy from my parents' collection. And all this time, I was assuming I had read it because I had seen so many things that reference it and so many things that, you know, <laughs> use its concept. You know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah. it was an odd thing of like, I had lied to myself that I knew something that, wow, that I thought for sure I had read. I just assumed I'd read it in college because I'd read Animal Farm and I'd read a couple of other things too. And, and I was just like, has that ever happened to you? Like where you thought you knew something and then when you actually saw it, you were like, oh, I've never seen this before or I've never read this before. That's Andy well, every day when he wakes up. <laughs> <laughs> That's just old age. That's a different I think, thing. Uh, Adam just explained the Q phenomenon. Mm. <laughs> <sighs> I've done the opposite. I've started reading something and I've literally gotten as much as a hundred pages in, and then I was like, "I've read this before." <laughs> so, yeah, okay, I've done that too. My mother did I, that with movies all the time, where she'd bring them yeah. home from the video store and be like, "I thought this would be oh. fun," and my dad would be like, "Yeah, we watched it two months ago." And she'd be like, "What?" I think I've watched. Uh, is it the Gringo? Is the, the Mel Gibson movie where he's in a prison? Sure. I think I've watched that three times because. I'll get halfway through and go, oh, shit, I've seen this thing before. <laughs> I, I blame that on a bad title. Yeah. Isn't it and Get the Gringo? Movie. Yeah, that's it. Get the Gringo. You don't win points was... for that one, Jeff. No one wins points for knowing what that movie's called. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 Mel Gibson aside, to... it's not a bad film. 
It's not a great uh, film, don't get me wrong. It's just not a bad film. (laughs) But yeah, that was weird to be like, I know what this story's about because it's been so prolific and it's now in the zeitgeist, you know, 1984. But I'd never read it and I just thought I had. I just assumed I had. It was very strange. Have you watched uh, any movies of it, Adam? I I may have watched one of the movie versions. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, how many thousands of movies are inspired by it or use the concept of big brother and all that. And so, uh, but it's been interesting to read it and be, maybe I haven't seen any of the movies cause I'm, I'm, I'm only about a quarter of the way through right now, but it's like, Oh, this is very different than I thought it was going to be. And it's a good book. And it is too. It, it, I mean it, you know, the, the popular, uh, what the hell do you want to call it? Not conventional wisdom necessarily, but the, the popular, description of it you know is there in the book but the there are things there that are also people don't talk about or kind of miss or you don't you don't quite glean from popular discussion as well well yeah some of the the whole uh i mean spoiler alert on a book that's what almost 80 years old but the whole thing of like the double talk and that whole concept is really fascinating and the whole attempt to to, especially now yeah well yeah but yeah it's just how that's all part of what the Big Brother thing is and how they control people and the, the eliminating of the history because they just literally rewrite the history books constantly to tell the story they want to tell. Yeah, it's just really fascinating. It's, that book was written in 1948. He just, well, because he just reversed the uh, numbers to make it 1984. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. And in 1947, he was like, God damn it, I got this great idea for a book, but I got to wait another year. Right. <laughs> He just felt 74 wasn't far enough in the distance. No, no. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I don't want to ruin it. I see we're going, I, I sense disco is going to come first. I mean, I can't do that in a book. Yeah. Oh, dear God. 